We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, CMOS Frillies. Welcome back to the podcast. We are officially uh, counting down to Christmas. It's finally December here. I'm with Kate. It's a rainy, dreary Sunday, which I feel like is always the case these days whenever we are potting. Um, But how are you? Doing good. Um, It's been interesting just getting like all the, you know, targeted content for gift guides now that I feel like we did a gift guide and everyone and their mother's doing a gift guide. Um, but I truly forgot we put out that episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I have not really been buying gifts yet. Like my family, shockingly enough, I don't know why we've never really been in like gift giving mode. Like growing up, my parents were like, what are you going to get us? You're like five years old. And I'm like, that's true. Um, so we just don't really do many like gift kind of rituals. And yeah, I'm going to go home for Christmas. So we'll see how much Christmas spirit I have this year. Um, you're going home for Christmas too, right, Emma? Yeah, I'm going home. I'll be home for a decent amount of time, which I'm looking forward to. Buying a ticket was um, interesting. They're just so expensive, which I'm sure everyone can relate to these days. And I'm like, it should not cost me $1,000 to fly back to Nebraska. Yeah. Crazy wild times in the world. Um, How was your birthday? Tell the girlies what you did. Yeah, I had a very lovely birthday. Thank you to all the girlies who wished me happy birthday. My birthday was last Wednesday on the 29th. Um, And I think it was like one of the better birthdays that I've had in a while. And I think it's just because I have my swim community and my boyfriend now. um, And so I didn't have to spend it alone like I have had to do many, many times in in the city, um, I just remember last year I had like really, really bad back pain because I had a lower lumbar um, strain. And so I just remember celebrating my 24th birthday, like lying in my brother's bed with like ice packs on, just like crying. And there were still tears on this birthday, but more happy tears. Um, I went to Miss Ada for dinner, which was really delicious. I highly recommend for anyone who's into like Mediterranean food. They have really good like hummuses and other types of dips, pita skewers, you name it. Um, and I had my brownie Sunday, which I know a lot of people were inquiring about and asking if that ended up happening. Yes, it did. The brownie had walnuts in it, which is always a win for me. And then, yeah, I took like the Thursday and Friday off just to kind of just enjoy a longer weekend, spend some extra time with my boyfriend. Um, he's starting a new job very soon. So I know like he'll be all tied up with that. So it's just like nice for us to have some one-on-one time, but I think like overall kind of reflecting on like my tw- you know, turning 25, being 24, I feel like this is the first year where I feel like really confident, you know, becoming turning 25. I have like a good grasp on where I'm at and like where I'm headed. And I just feel like the long-term vision that I have for myself, um, like the dots are starting to connect. So there's just like a little bit less of like me kind of being in the gray area, which I'm definitely lucky, lucky um, to be able to feel like I am very stable in my current life, just because in your 20s, that's not always guaranteed. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to 25. I'm looking forward to the new year. 
feel like it's going to be a good one for me. Hopefully, I feel like I definitely grew a lot. I'm just like as a person and professionally this past year, and I'm just kind of hoping to carry that momentum forward. Love that. Um, My update for the girlies is about my blood work that I got. Um, I talked about it last week. Yeah, last week was the gift guide episode. Uh, Basically, I ordered a functional medicine testing lab. It's like the most comprehensive blood work kit you can get. It's all out of pocket. Unfortunately, we don't have universal health care because our country is fucking stupid and our government doesn't do anything. But that's a whole separate rant. So it was a lot of money. It's called a Dutch lab. I got it through the program Rupa Health, which you probably have heard like podcast ads for. They just provide like lab testing like kind of anywhere and you do it at your home so I had a quirked up day 18 of my cycle that I had to do all this blood work because it's intended to be based on your hormones and so there's a lot of different things that I had to do like I couldn't eat bananas fava beans avocados for 48 hours before the blood work and then the day of I couldn't consume alcohol caffeine there was another thing I only could drink 64 ounces of water in a day which I definitely went over because I'm drinking like hundreds of ounces of water a day. Like that felt insanely small. Um, But yeah, not having coffee that day was like a big sign for me because I like to think that I don't really have that bad of a caffeine dependence, but I think it was just bad. Like that hour when I woke up before I ate breakfast, because I was just like waiting to take all these like saliva samples. So anyways, it's like, I think it was five to six saliva samples four urine samples that I had to do at different times throughout the day because it's based on when your cortisol is like raising and raising and spiking and decreasing and it's supposed to be at your max when you awake or when you write when you wake oh my god when you wake up that's when your cortisol is supposed to be the highest so that's when you take your first sample and then it's like 30 minutes 60 minutes like a few hours later and so I just felt like a clock that day I had so many alarms set to like do these samples and then I felt like truly a serial killer when I was in my apartment and I had frozen urine samples in my freezer I was like yeah there's no one coming over to my apartment right now but hypothetically speaking like this is just not a good look for me right now and then you mail them in to wherever the fuck rupa's healthcare processing system is and then i'll get my results back like probably this week or next week something like that i'm not really like urgently you know seeking out these results because i don't think or at least i don't hope that anything is like abnormal but it was an interesting experience um like i said before in last week's episode i've done a lot of like blood work before so i've done mostly um like probably four to five blood vials to get the hormone panel but this is the first time i've done like saliva and urine i've also done a glucose panel where you sit and like get a blood draw thing every like 30 minutes i think six or seven times but this one, I don't know. We'll see what results I get. I will let you know next week, the next blood work update for you guys. What are you most looking forward to like hearing back in terms of your blood work? Is there a certain type of like hormone or like cortisol, et cetera, that you're interested in knowing yeah, more about? Yeah. The last time I got blood work, um, it was coincidentally while I was marathon training and I got injured. And so it was three days after when I got my stress fracture. And so that was not like intentional for me to get my blood work after that. And it totally fucked up my blood work, which was the weirdest realization I had because you hear everything that like the body's connected, the body's a system, but I think it's really easy to like disassociate stress from actually like how your body is functioning. You're like, I don't care. I'm stressed. Like I can still go do this and I can still do this task and I'm still productive at work. But what I'm trying to get at is like, I had a stress fracture in my knee. Um, so you know, swollen, torn, inflamed. And that actually showed up on the blood work that I got like six months ago. So all of my uh, cholesterol biomarkers were really increased because that was like the inflammation in my body. Uh, My cortisol was obviously like skewed. So that blood work was kind of like, I was kind of angry that it was like right after my stress fracture because it didn't really reflect like what my body naturally probably was. Um, Mm -hmm. It was more reflecting like what was happening on like the muscular skeletal level. So I'm just more curious to get a baseline, especially now that I am like distance training because there is so much on the internet about like impact training is so bad for women and like you shouldn't run that often. And so I'm just hoping that like stuff is good and I can continue on like the training kind of regimen I'm on, but who knows? Maybe I totally change something if I get crazy results back. Yeah, it'll be interesting kind of what certain um, aspects of the blood work panel tests look like post-recovery now that you are recovered and probably less inflamed. Um, so yeah, we're excited to hear more about this journey. Um, my last point is that I finally have a new hyper fixation when it comes to like food. I feel like it's been kind of the same old, same old for me recently. 
Um, but I finally have kind of gotten into like a spicy tuna salmon sriracha mayo moment. Um, mm. I am really terrified of mayo. I just think it's like a really gross condiment and I just like did not eat it <laughs> that much growing up. But I saw someone like post on TikTok per usual, like some sort of recipe. And I was like, you know what, Emma, you should just like make this because like it looks delicious. And like I've eaten things with mayo before. And when I have had it like incorporated into like a chicken salad, et cetera, like I have been fine. Um, So it's like very, very simple. And it's like a good way to jazz up your tinned fish just because I think I am still in my sardine and mackerel ick phase. But I've just been buying like tinned tuna or salmon you know typically wild caught sockeye and just mixing it with i mean i'm sure girlies that like actually cook meals have already done this before so so this isn't like anything new i'm not like claiming to be a recipe developer here but it's just like mayo i have like the chosen brand so it's made with just like organic egg yolks and avocado oil and whatever else is in mayo um some coconut aminos sriracha i got the yellow bird one which is like really good has like date paste as the sweetener um and then what else red pepper flakes and then a little bit of like sesame seeds just for like a little crunch and it's just been like a nice new taste for the taste buds and i've just been like putting that on nori sheets and like doing like little nori bites um so if anyone is like looking to spice up their their tin fish i highly recommend um and i definitely feel like it's like exposure therapy with mayo because i know i cannot be the only one who was also like a little like hesitant when it comes to that texture and scent and just like substance in general yeah it is funny that we're from the midwest because i didn't really grow up with mayo in my like world either but maybe mayo's not that midwest honestly now that i think about it but i feel like it's dairy i don't know yeah i mean i just feel like it's like kind of a borderline like white trash food like my brothers definitely like ate it on sandwiches growing up and like i know it's like really popular to utilize for grilled cheese instead of you like using butter it just like creates a nice like golden crispy um mm. outside for your grilled cheese but yeah, I just like stuff like that and ranch. I was just like never a fan of sour cream, like honestly makes me nauseous whenever I see it. Mm, yeah. um, so I just don't have a thing for for the white substances um, and condiments. Um, but yeah, I kind of slowly overcoming those those fears, those fears you have. Yeah. My new one that I'm getting into, which is such a funny one, um, like. So my dad, before he passed, he had like heart issues his whole life. And so, you know, the 1990s like diet advice, if you had any heart issues was like, don't eat any cholesterol. So when we, when I was growing up, I had no cheese in my diet, which I think I've talked about in the pod before, like the episodes about veganism, but like, I didn't have an appetite for cheese because we never ate it. Like we ate like a very low fat diet for those like first few like years post his first heart attack. And then we like changed our diet to like, once we realized like, no, olive oil is really healthy for you, et cetera. But that is to say that I know nothing about cheese like if you asked me to like identify like what hard cheese like types are I would have no fucking idea like I know what cheddar cheese is I know what parmesan cheese is I know what mozzarella cheese is everything else I know what burrata is everything else no idea and so I was at Wegmans this week just looking at the cheese section because I was like I like cheese on a salad I like cheese with crackers now that like I'm not freaked out about dairy and I like generally don't give a fuck about what I'm eating like I think past me would have like been like cheese is not that healthy for you like why are you looking at cheese and now I'm like I actually don't care at all like I think the marathon just really and like my dad passing too has just like uncoupled me being like strict about anything like I I do not give a fuck and so I was looking at the cheese section and that's all to say if you have any here's what i want in a cheese um if i'm just go down this rabbit hole at the sea moss girlies i want a cheese that is good on like a salad with arugula is that a parmesan cheese i don't know or i want a cheese that is like good with a crisp apple like the pairing of those two together mm-hmm. i don't know what cheese that i'm looking for um i know what it looks like when i see it like a charcuterie board out in the world at an event or something like that but i've been on the cheese hunt because i just don't be giving a fuck but apples are my only food that is really providing me joy just like a crisp apple right now is really doing it for me um yeah i love that you're finally going down the cheese rabbit hole i go through phases with cheese um growing up actually we would always buy the big container of feta cheese from costco and i just Mm. remember as a kid i would eat like spoonfuls of feta cheese as a snack yeah um and so whenever i have feta cheese it just like always makes me very nostalgic for my childhood yeah um yeah feta cheese is good on a salad i really like halloumi which is like a squeaky oh yeah um, and it's just like so salty and delicious. Um, I'm not very, I'm not quite, um, cheese literate. Cheese literate. Yes. That's a good way to put it when it comes to like the different like types. There's like a million different ones. Um, I like buying organic Valley has a, I mean, 
I think it's like quote unquote like raw unpasteurized cheese, yeah. but then it's like been aged for sixty days, so they technically technically are allowed to like sell it like at mass commercial uh, grocery stores. But yeah. they have like a hard cheddar that I also really enjoy. But yeah, cheese crackers and apples with the chopstick is kind of like a superior snack in my opinion. Yeah, and I've been having like almonds. Like I had this one, I forget the brand. They send them to me. I can go look, but they make like different flavored almonds. It might be Love Crunch. Mm-hmm. Um and they had like dill pickle ones, they have turmeric dusted ones. So that's been a little snack plate moment for me. And then I also noticed that Wegmans does sell like raw cheese and raw milk. Like I don't know how they do that, but there are raw things available at the Wegmans um I don't know if I talked about happier grocer on the pod did I talk about that yet you did yeah okay um because I'm gonna go back this week and actually attempt to grocery shop so I'll let you guys know if I find anything um there I did see the crazy Erwan Balenciaga collab I don't know if you saw it Emma Mm -hmm. um it is like there's a $400 apron that says Erwan on it that's like Balenciaga and I'm like this is the end of times like this is like why are we making this product what the fuck yeah that's really dark i have like no comment because i mean i'm sure people can assume what my opinions are on that yeah i don't really care either way i'm like i just i'm like this is not helping it's probably not hurting it's just i'm like why are we doing this but you know the world has money to burn on stupid shit um as we've learned but you know let's get into the pod we're going to talk about probiotics today we're going to talk about solid core because we've gotten questions some bloating some creatine you girlies know um and we're going to ask you guys for more questions on instagram uh Geneva just to get some new topics see what you guys have questions about but I will call Emma back and then we'll get into the pod we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics. And let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okie dokie, CMOS girlies. Let's get into the episode. This is definitely a hodgepodge episode. We're touching on a lot of different subjects. So again, if there's something that you already know everything about, 
you can totally pass on by and go to an area that you maybe want to learn more about. But first, we're going to start off with probiotics and particularly like the differences between probiotics and foods versus pills slash supplements, which is maybe better to take um, in terms of a supplement, just because I typically think of fermented foods, yes, as like a food item to consume, but I also treat it sort of as like a supplement. So I kind of incorporate those into my usual supplement routine. Um, but overall, like you definitely need probiotics for a healthy gut. I'm sure you guys have all seen this over TikTok and over um, on other health and wellness podcasts that you listen to. But things like stress, diet, medicine, and aging can all reduce our gut di- diversity. Um, and probiotics are like live bacteria. So it's like the good bacteria, like you actually want to have this in your body and it can help with like GI issues, immune function, skin, improved nutrient absorption, et cetera. And so there are different ways that you can take them. And that will either be through supplementation, through like a pill, like I said, or through consumption of fermented foods. So if you have like the pros of taking pills is that they're going to be more targeted. So there's going to be like certain strains that may be better at addressing different health problems than others. So like certain ones can maybe be better for like bloating. Some can be better for, you know, constipation. Others can be maybe better for like skin. And like you can like read if you look at like a pill bottle, for example. And like if you look at the supplement um, nutritional facts, like you'll see like 10 or 12 different strains versus like, if you're looking on a food item, you might see only like one or two live cultures or live bacteria strains that are mentioned. So if you're like looking to get as much like diversity in terms of like your probiotic consumption, you might be better off taking like a supplement. And so that kind of gets me into my next pro is that like supplements are going to provide more diversity because they can be multi-strain. And so the more strains you have, there's going to be more diversity, which is like a good thing. Cause like the more diverse your gut microbiome is just like the healthier you'll be. Um, and like I said, versus like foods that may have like one or two also supplements are going to be like allergen free. And I know like a lot of fermented foods or like probiotic rich foods can often be dairy products. And if you have like a sensitivity to that, it's like very, very hard. I feel like in my opinion, at least when I was vegan to find like good, dairy-free alternatives that were also probiotic rich. Like obviously we talk about coconut cold all the time, which is like a great um, coconut yogurt, which is dairy-free. And there's like so many others like on the market, but like, I'm just thinking of like cottage cheeses and like other things of that nature. And also too, like, I think overall supplements are going to be easier to incorporate into your routine versus like having to make sure that you're like eating enough servings of probiotic foods. Um, just because like, A, you have to remember to like constantly go out and buy those. You have to figure out how you're going to incorporate them into your meals. Like for me, I usually just will have like Greek yogurt in the morning, which is like a great um, thing for getting my my probiotics in in the morning. But for some people, it's like, maybe you don't like yogurt or maybe you don't have like time to like make a breakfast like that. Um, So I think like that's definitely one of the the pros of taking supplements. And of course, there's like so many on the market, some are going to be refrigerated, some are not going to be refrigerated. And there's kind of some back and forth on like, which is like the best, the best to get or purchase in terms of like them being like the most, you know, beneficial for your body and like what you're actually going to be able to, to fully absorb. Um, then kind of getting into foods, just like some examples of what some sort of like probiotic rich foods are going to be. It's like kefir, yogurt, miso, kombucha, tempeh, sauerkraut, kimchi, um, I think one thing to note, though, is that not all fermented foods contain probiotics and Coconut Colt, that guy behind that brand, um, talks about how a lot of yogurt brands, they typically will pasteurize their yogurt, which then just kills all the bacteria. Um, And so like a lot of these brands will claim that it's like probiotic rich, but then it's like, if you look on the back of the label, they may not mention that there's any life cultures at all. And so that's your sign to like, maybe not purchase that particular brand because you're not really going to be getting any of the benefits of like these live bacteria cultures. And what some brands will do is they'll pasteurize their yogurt and then they'll just add in like a powder form probiotic back into the yogurt. And then like, they'll claim that that is like the live bacteria strand. So just like something to look out for. Another example too, is that Yes, pickles can be a fermented food, but a lot of pickles on the shelves at grocery stores are just going to be made with like a vinegar solution. So again, just like make sure that you're actually looking out for like fermented pickles. Um, But kind of like the main pros of food or probiotic rich foods is that like you're going to be getting a lot of a lot more micronutrients in these foods when you're consuming them versus supplements and also macronutrients. So like, for example, yogurt, you're going to be getting micronutrients, but then also like a great it's a great source of protein. And so all these micronutrients are essential for daily function. So this is kind of like a win-win if you're like taking these A, yes, to get good 
that bacteria, but then you're also getting like very essential micronutrients that you may not be getting elsewhere from other foods. And then also too, like it may just be overall cheaper for you to consume probiotic rich foods versus like buying a supplement just because the supplements can get pretty costly. Like yogurt can be fairly inexpensive. Or even if you're like making your kombucha, that can end up being like costing just like a few pennies a day, really. But honestly, like if you are eating like a diverse range of like fermented foods, you may not need to take a probiotic supplement and like vice versa. It's definitely kind of like what works best for you in terms of like your lifestyle and like what you're trying to like target. Um, I was taking a supplement for a while, but then I was like, I need to scale back on like my spending for, for supplements. And so honestly, I just take coconut coal and I eat like two spoonfuls of that every morning. And then I try to make sure to eat sauerkraut. And like, I just feel like, you know, yes, you can take probiotics, but there's also like so many other ways to help support your gut microbiome. And so again, I think something that Kate and I talk about a lot is that like, you can't just like take something and then like completely ne- neglect other aspects of your health. Like if you're not eating enough fiber and if you're like constantly stressed and like eating a bunch of like refined sugars, like that's just going to kind of like continue to like hurt your gut microbiome. And then the probiotics may not actually be like working as well as you were expecting. So those, so those are just like things to, to take in mind, but there's really like no negatives to taking a, a supplement or just eating fermented food. So it's again, like I said, very much up to you. Yeah. And I think it's a fun category of food and supplements to explore because there are so many beverages. There are so many foods, like Emma said. Um, I'm not too loyal to, I feel like, sauerkraut brands, but it is like a fun thing. Whenever I go back to Minnesota, there's always like local flavors and varieties. So it's definitely fun. I feel like I'm personally struggling in the winter to want to eat like diverse fruits and vegetables. I feel like I'm just pretty boring. But then like in the summer, I feel like I'm always craving like pickles and kimchi and like really briny foods. So it's totally cool to like change that up by season two, like maybe lean into more of the yogurts or like stuff like that too. Um, But I will say like probiotics are something that does have a lot of linking, like, like linking logs, not linking logs. What the fuck am I trying to say? Building blocks. Oh my God. Lincoln logs is not what I was trying to say. Building blocks to other aspects of your health. So I do feel like genuinely, if you aren't taking any supplements or you've never eaten a fermented food and then you magically start doing it, you will see results. And I'm not saying like results, like diet results or like you're going to lose weight in any aspect. Like that's not what I'm saying at all. But I think you will notice like you maybe feel more energized. You maybe feel more hydrated. You feel like you have better digestion because my my diet before going vegan and like before becoming health conscious in any sense in high school was like truly standard American diet. I was eating one fruit a day, one serving of vegetables a day, and then going vegan, it was like five servings of that a day. And so that was such a big shift in terms of like gut bacteria, the fiber element, like Emma said. So I think it's something to really explore. But once again, you have to be like committed to see results. Now, the next question is kind of niche, but it's something that I have been meditating and like thinking on the past year. And it's about solid core. So first of all, I'll do some like explainers on what solid core is if you don't live in the States. Actually, I don't know if solid core is international or not or if it's in other countries, but basically solid core is a version of Pilates. And I say that as with a caveat because I don't want anyone to like come from my throat and be like, solid core is not actually Pilates, but there's a lot of different types of Pilates in the world we are now. Pilates obviously has a history to it with Joseph Pilates and like the techniques and like the Eastern medicine and what it was meant to target in the body. But as the world has changed and as people have just like incorporated Pilates into different workouts, there's a shit ton of different types of Pilates and solid core is kind of in this category. Now, solid core brands itself as more of a strength training than like a Pilates class. Um, but it's a 45 minute class. There's a shit ton in New York. There's a bunch in LA. They have studios all over the country. And there's specific body focuses for each class. So they have classes Monday through Sunday. And like every day of the week is either going to be something like arms and abs or inner thighs and triceps or something like that, where it has two different body parts, an upper body and a lower body part. And so you go to the class. It's 45 minutes. Like I mentioned, everyone is on a machine and at the heart of solid core is kind of like innovative spin is that they make their own proprietary uh piece of equipment and it's called sweat lana so it's a pilates machine i mean if you google it you can see actually what it looks like but once again solid core is not exactly pilates it is a high intensity low impact workout 
um, a strength workout that is on a Pilates inspired machine um, on like a reformer machine. And so I think the overall like opinion on solid core is that it's really hard. It's really long, slow movements. You are holding a plank for like the beginning of like classes. And I think it's a very intimidating workout class in New York city. Whenever people do like roundups of all the different workout classes. And I've definitely found it to be very difficult. The first time I went, you're using muscles that you're not used to using. You're doing things to break down muscle fiber in ways that you're like not familiar with. And they do have like advanced and beginner classes. So there is like adaptability. There are modifications in different classes. Um, But someone asked me like about solid core and like, Kate, as a runner, what do you think about solid core as kind of being like a lifting complement to running? Um, Because if you are a runner, you really need to prioritize strength training. I think a lot of runners, once you get into marathon mode or maybe half marathon training, you start to realize that like, I need to do strength to maintain my body because running is like the same fucking motion on your feet. You are just banging your same like left and right foot. The same muscles are getting used. You can't do like an arm day with running. Like you are running the same, the same way every single day. And so when you are training, you do want to incorporate strength stuff into like your week of workouts and so the question is like could solid core be that lifting day and so here's my like unfiltered thoughts on like could solid core be a good workout for runners i think some of the pros of it is that solid core utilizes single leg movements i've said this before oh wait i thought someone was at my apartment door i'm like what was that um i've said this before but solid core is a single-legged sport which means that or not solid core, sorry, running is a single-legged sport, meaning that you're never on both feet at the same time when you're running. So if your left knee is all fucked up, that's going to, you know, accumulate and come to the surface over time. If your right ankle is really weak, those imbalances are going to become much more noticeable when you have a lot of miles on your feet. If you're running a few times casually throughout the week, you probably can get by without really identifying like your strengths and your weaknesses. But in my experience with half marathon and then into marathon training, you really notice like, holy shit, my left glute does not activate or this body part doesn't activate. And so solid core is really great for runners because all of the leg movements, the lower body movements are going to be burning out like your left quad or burning out your right glute or something like that. And you get to this point of, I think they call it like um, muscle, um, second stage muscle failure, which is like a sensation where your muscles kind of start to twitch. You're breaking down the muscle fibers. And so kind of the order of the class, you go from like five minutes of core, five to 10 minutes of core, then you're going to do your left leg and then you'll do your right leg. And once you do your left leg, you never go back to it. And so from my experience of taking the class, I think it's actually really mentally nice to like do one part of your body and kind of check it off and then never um, return to it once again. So you know, like, okay, I just did my left oblique. I don't have to attack that again. Um, I think solid core is really good for runners in terms of your core. You need a really strong core in order to like properly rotate when you're running and then also pop. I think with running, you are doing like the same motion once again. And when you're on, let's say mile five of mile 10, it's really common for your running posture to start to just slump. Like if you catch people running a marathon and you get any videos of them for like the last six miles, they probably are running like a hag and their shoulders are all slouched over um, because your body is tired and it just accumulates. And so I've noticed that solid core has just helped me stand up taller and improve that posture aspect. And then another thing, it is low impact. So as we've talked about in other exercise episodes, running is a very high impact thing. You are banging on your knees all day long. And so to have your lifting day be something that is really like slow movement, intentional movement, low impact is something that's going to counteract like how intense your running days are. Um, Some of the cons of solid core, I would say just using it as like a lifting complement to running is that you can't control what's happening in class. So you sign up for a class, it's 50 minutes long or whatever. You know, let's say you're in a movement and it doesn't feel good for your body. You can make an adaptation or a modification, of course, but you can't like entirely not do that if you get what I'm saying. Or let's say you're doing an exercise and you feel like it's not really related to running or not really related to like the muscle things that you want to work on, you're stuck in a class. And so you just kind of have to do whatever movements the instructor is going to want you to do. I think some of the cons of solid core could be that it's pretty expensive. I think it's something like $40 for a single class. And so that's like a dollar a minute. Um, And when you think about it in that perspective, it's like, damn, that's a lot of money just to get a week, you know, one day of working out done. And then I think a hundred, 
the other point is that it's not a hundred percent running specific. So as I mentioned earlier, a lot of the movements will help your running performance, but it's not something that's like super specific for running. And it's also not super specific for you. Okay. Because like, I think that's the broader point I want to attack with like the solid core lifting thing is that you need to adequately assess your strength background. Like my experience with running, I came from a really efficient strength background. I was playing college volleyball. We were lifting very heavy four days throughout the week. I could back squat over 200 pounds. So when I went to an endurance sport, which is requiring me to have aerobic endurance, um, slow twitch muscle fibers versus these like fast twitch muscle fibers, I didn't need to really do much strength training. So like when I first started running, I kind of ditched strength training, which is not something I would advise you to do. Like that's actually a mistake of mine that I didn't lift for a long time, but I had such a base layer of strength that I just needed to get running to be the easy thing for me. And so if something like solid core if it's something you've never done, or I think if a strength routine is something you've never had before, I think solid core could be a good thing because you have this guidance, you go to a class, you know, the time, the start time, um, and the start, the finish time. So like you're there for a designated amount of time, it's going to provide you that sort of like routine and class structure that I think could be a good complement within your running routine. Um, but I think if you have a lot of like muscle mass and knowledge and ability with strength training or some sort of background, I think that as a runner, like, you could definitely just go to the gym and do strength workouts and be totally fine in terms of your running, um, like running plan for a marathon or something like that. And then a few of you guys asked, I think Emma and I both for like specific sort of like swimming and running approaches if we were to be training for a race. And I just kind of want to answer this because I feel like I've answered this on my personal social media because I get it in the DMs every single day. But overall, I am not qualified to give any sort of running advice. Um, it is a weird area where I am an influencer. I'm a content creator that's making stuff about running. So I think there are some blurred lines for me of like, what is advice and what is information and what is personal narrative and like me just telling my story? Because I think even when I've towed the line of sharing like a picture of my watch and my paces or something like that, I'll get DMs of people like, okay, I'm going to go do this workout tomorrow. And then I retract and I'm like, wait, I'm never going to post any specifics again. So I take this with a really big like uh, amount of caution and amount of responsibility to like be a fitness creator on the internet because I've had a lot of like fitness creators, shout out um, Blogilates, for fucking me up and giving me an eating disorder and giving me like a bad relationship with food and my body and sort of like ruining that whole connection I have with myself. And so my advice is that you need to figure this out for yourself which is really tough love I think I go onto the internet and I don't know how to do makeup let's say so I'm like someone give me the makeup advice that's going to be perfect for me even if I watch someone's video and I followed it all the way through probably not going to be good for me even if I followed someone's diet all the way through probably not going to be good for me and so when it comes to like a running marathon plan there are sure like overall principles like you want to have a certain mileage a week you want to make sure you're practicing the gels and the nutrition you're going to do on race day you want to make sure you find shoes that fit for you and maybe go to a running store but when it comes to like specific how many times should I lift each week Kate how many miles should I run each week Kate I don't know I got injured when I trained for a marathon the first time and I just ran my first marathon in November. Um, and I think it's this interesting territory where like it also becomes a liability for me to give information. Like I would never type out someone's like workout plan in my DMs on Instagram, but I do see a lot of people in my field as like a content creator becoming this, you know, health coach or starting to charge for programs and advice and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people lack credentials. And I just think it's a really dicey territory that puts the content creators in a compromised position to be like giving advice on the internet for what a marathon training plan is or something like that. Um, that is to say, I have been working with a run coach, Mary, um, this past year. Mary has trained everyone from like sub three marathoners to just average runners like myself. And so she is someone that has gotten strength certifications when she writes my strength programs. So she writes out my week of lifts my week of strengths and so if that's something you're interested in feel free to dm me and i can shoot you mary's information um i do know a few other run coaches so if you are interested in like maybe hiring a run coach or maybe like dming one and talking to them about what to do i could totally point you in the right direction but i'm never going to jump on the internet and be like i am your like i'm going to give you specific running advice so that's just to say like i'm not going to be giving you guys any uh specifics here so yeah 
Um, yeah. And I'm not going to give any specific advice on swimming. I feel like how the group and I swim, it's like very much just like for fun and like shits and giggles. There's not really any like rhyme or reason to the sets that we do each day. Um, and I think also too, like, it's a really fun, you know, experience or like journey to kind of like get to know your body, figuring out like what type of splits work out for you in terms of like working out or if you're training, like what you prefer to do. And so like Kate said, it's a lot of like experimentation and figuring out what's best for you. Um, I love solid core as well. I haven't done it in a while, but when I did do it, it was a great exercise for me. I think also too, if you're someone who like loves traditional Pilates, but maybe you're like looking for something that's a little bit more intense. If you're wanting to like switch it up and maybe you're like a little nervous of like starting to like lift in the gym. I think solid core is like a great, a great exercise or like a great, um, fitness class to maybe graduate up to. It definitely is challenging. Like Kate said, you're definitely targeting a lot of those like small, hard to reach muscles that like you wouldn't typically be targeting in compound lifts when you're at the gym. Um, I'm sure they're like in so many cities now. Like I know they were like a few years ago, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're like almost in every single state or at least like the major states. So if you have it in your area, definitely try it out. But like, don't feel bad if you're like dying because I also have felt like I was dying in a lot of the solid core classes. But I think like the core aspect, like nothing will target your core as much as solid core um does and can do um and I think like also for all the fellow swimmers I don't even know how many swimmers even listen to this podcast but a lot of you all probably know the importance of having a strong core because like you're literally engaging that with every stroke that you take so solid core could be a great way to really cross train particularly with your with your core and abdomen um kind of sticking in the whole physical fitness and like sports sphere sphere excuse me we're going to get into creatine we talked about creatine pretty long ago on a sports supplement podcast episode. Um, I don't remember which number that was, but you can scroll down. Um, I don't take creatine. I think Kate has experimented with it here and there, but this is just kind of like high level what it is, like dosages and all of that jazz. Um, I feel like it's definitely probably a very common supplement that's talked about on like fitness TikTok, but it's a naturally occurring compound derived from amino acids such as like glycine and arginine and like creatine really just plays a role in like energy production during like high intensity and like short duration activities such as like weightlifting sprinting and other forms of just like general physical exercise but like the main function of creatine is to help produce atp which is like our body's primary energy currency and so like really when you are supplementing with creatine the belief is that it may just help improve certain types of performance particularly like with like repeated short bursts, I'm kind of thinking like short sprints, if you're like running on a track or, you know, if you're swimming, doing like 25 sprints or, you know, on, on a spin bike and like going crazy fast for like, you know, 30 seconds or so. Um, and creatine is actually considered like non-essential because we do produce around like one gram each day. And we can also obtain it primarily just through eating animal-based foods and the highest foods that have the highest levels of creatine are going to be salmon, pork, and herring. So, Obviously, if you're vegetarian or vegan, you're not going to be getting any creatine from your diet. And so therefore you might experience or notice more of a difference than someone who's just eating like meats and fish. So again, like if you're a vegetarian vegan, you might actually want to look into taking creatine. And if you are someone who does eat animal products, and if you are particularly eating a lot of salmon and pork, you may not need to be supplementing as much with creatine. Um, but also it is one of the most studied sports supplements and most widely used in the space, which I think is like a huge thing to kind of point out. I feel like a lot of shady business can occur with a lot of like sports supplements. And I'm kind of thinking more of like the BCAAs and a lot of the like pre-workouts that people take. And I know like athletes, especially if you're competing, like in college, like you're kind of like restricted in terms of like what you can and cannot take just based off of like requirements from the NCAA. And so like knowing that like a creatine is like a very safe supplement that you can take and it's not going to like cause any potential um, controversies down the road. I think like that's like a great thing. Um, And so, yeah, there's just like plenty of products on the market. Like you're not going to be getting some like scammy product. Of course, there is stuff probably out there. So just like be on the lookout. I don't personally have any particular creatine recommendations, but I'm sure Kate will be able to shout some out in a second. Um, but in terms of like creatine and women, women may actually need more creatine than men. And that's just because we have 70% lower stores than men. And also creatine can help protect against age-related muscle loss, which is like super huge and like kind of 
you know, very beneficial for a woman, especially once we enter the, you know, our menopause stage, um, just because that's where we typically do experience a lot of muscle loss. So that's like maybe a point in time where you might want to start considering taking creatine. I don't know if any of our listeners are at that stage in their lives yet, um, but kind of thinking about the best formula to take, um, it's kind of generally suggested to take a powder versus a capsule and that's just because like the dosage is always going to be measured in grams and like the dosage is going to vary person by person it's like around three to five grams that's generally suggested for for individuals but again like some people may need more depending on like a your like body size how much muscle you have and also like how much of an athlete you are um if you're just like an average Joe who like works out a few times a week. Like I don't think taking a creatine supplement is like super necessary, but if you're training for like a triathlon marathon, anything of that, you know, world where you are training for a particular event, or again, like I said, if you are an athlete, whether that's like high school, college professional, this is definitely something that is worth looking into and experimenting with and, you know, figuring out, um, if it is actually benefiting a, your recovery, but also just your, your general performance. Yeah, creatine. Like Emma said, it's the most well-researched supplement out there. And Stephanie Estima talks about it a lot on her podcast, Better with Dr. Stephanie. Um, I took it while marathon training. And my main logic behind taking it, um, one, was recovering from my injury. Obviously, I had a lot of like tissue that was broken, um, a lot of uh, you know, muscles in my leg that were a lot less efficient in my left leg versus right leg. So I really wanted to focus on building muscle during that time. And when you are endurance training, So like running a lot, it is hard to kind of simultaneously build muscle and like, you know, get the benefits of the strength lifting that I was doing while I was also just like running so much. Um, And so I did take creatine. I took the powder from Thorne, which worked. Um, I feel like creatine is a pretty um, standard supplement, like universal, like it's a powder. Um, there's not really many that are better than others. And I don't really think you can go that wrong, but one certification to look out for with creatine could be the NSF certification, which is like, um, safe for sport or something like that. So I think that could be a good thing to just see that visually on the package. The next question. And then the last part of the pod will be about bloating. Um, a few people have just been asking about like, Hey, I'm bloated. What can I do? Or like, What can I think about like why bloating happens? And I think the baseline question is just to be really body aware, kind of as I was talking about with like marathon training being individual, like, are you bloating? You know, did you eat too fast? Was it a new food? Like I particularly noticed whenever I eat dinner out with people or something like that, maybe it's later than I normally eat dinner, or maybe I'm just eating like bigger portions or like different types of food or dessert or something. I kind of always feel bloated after dinners out. And so that's not something that I feel like guilt or shame about. It's like, oh yeah, this happened because I went and ate dinner out and it was probably different than like what my body was used to. Um, I think another thing that people don't realize is like stress. If you're eating and you're like eating on your lunch break and you're like really stressed out, like that could be a reason that leads to bloating. Um, Depending on what part of your menstrual cycle could be something that leads to bloating as well. So I think just being easy with yourself because as much as you notice that you're bloated um, and not to discount that bloating can also be very painful. Like I had one moment when I looked like I was months pregnant and it really hurt. And like, no matter which way I was like laying down or massaging myself, like it didn't go away. And then I just kind of like slept through it. And so I think the main things to note with bloating in terms of like the health side is maybe it's a food intolerance. So maybe you ate something different. Maybe you ate too fast. Maybe it's like a nutrient that is fucking you up. So maybe you are gluten sensitive in some way, um, excess gas. So that's just like a more of a TMI one that I don't need to elaborate on or something like a constipation. So those are kind of a checklist that you could go through to kind of like think about why the bloating is happening. Um, bloating will be normal if you eat food. Like, I think that's one that I feel like people just you your brain kind of just is stuck of like why could I be bloated and it's like well because your body is digesting all the food you just put in it yeah like that's kind of why it's happening so I feel like with getting just so many images of people being like all sucked in and skinny and whatever all the time that we forget that like it's a natural part of life for your body to fluctuate throughout the day and then bloating is also a bit of a stress response and this is more kind of like eating disorder like starvation mode related but sometimes your body is bloating because you need nutrition so if you ever look at starvation studies and if they have like photos and stuff um you sometimes see like a pot belly like a round belly that looks like a pregnant belly but it's like 
empty. And they show these photos to just show that like when someone is malnourished, your body is under so much stress. It doesn't know when it's getting its next meal that it starts to sort of like puff up your stomach as like a defense mechanism. And I've definitely had this before when like, let's say I wanted to eat my lunch or I didn't have time or something like that. And then I waited an hour and then my stomach hurts, but then it also was like bloated. And I'm like, how are we bloated if I didn't eat food? But that's actually a very common phenomenon. And so although it might seem like counterintuitive to go and eat food, that could be the reason why you're bloated as well. So that's another variable to sort of keep keep in mind. Um, but let's get to the more solution part of it. So, okay, Kate, I'm bloated. Like, what do I do now? There's a few things you can do. Um, they do sell different like digestive and sort of like de-bloating pills. Most of these are going to have enzymes to sort of break down the food that is in your stomach that's causing some sort of issue. And then there's also like herbal remedies that can help out with this. So it could be something like a digestive enzyme or like papaya enzyme. It could be something like um, you know, peppermint tea is good for bloating. Uh, marshmallow root is good for bloating. And so there's holistic opportunities for pills and, you know, powders and potions there. Walking is a good one for bloating. It might be the last thing in the world you want to do. You know, just put on your sweatshirt, go on a little five minute walk outside, come back. Maybe that could help it out. Stretching could help. Yoga could help. Emma talks a lot about like self massage and stuff like that, or legs up on the wall. Those things could help. Um, if you are in more of like the relaxed self-care mode, you could do something with baths, like an Epsom salt bath. You could do something with essential oils. So, you know, I feel like bloating sucks, especially if you're like out and about and you're bloated because you can't like, you know, just like lay down in sweatpants. Um, so sometimes like traveling with like de-bloat pills could be a fun option. You know, a very CMOS girlies thing is like, I think I posted a meme about that last week, like bringing digestive enzymes to the function, which I've definitely done before. So maybe that's a way to stop bloating if it comes and ruins your night. Who knows? Yeah. I also love just like a good peppermint tea as well, or just like something that like feels very soothing. Like Kate said, you might just need to like drink a lot more water if you are bloated just to kind of get things going. And I think like just peppermint tea is like really soothing, especially if it is very painful or if it feels like you have rocks in your stomach. Um, but yeah, bloating is like very normal. Like Kate said, obviously people on social media aren't going to like post like their bloated bellies. And so we just kind of always assume like all these like super skinny influencers are just like always like that all the time. But it's like, no, behind closed doors, like they're also probably experiencing bloating just like us, just because that's like a very normal human response to when you have food in your body. Um, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've kind of have cared less about bloating, um, and now that I also think since like my period is a lot more regular and I'm just like eating like regular amounts of food versus like when I was having an eating sort I was just kind of sporadic with my food intake. I just think like my body now knows like, okay, this is when we're going to get food. Like this is what we can expect. And just like everything is just much more regular, I guess is like the best way to put it. Um, so yeah. And like, obviously if like things are like very painful, that's when you can like obviously discuss with a doctor and figure things out. Um, but for the most part, there's not much to worry with bloating. Yeah. Bloating is like a temporary thing. Once again, if it is something that is always flaring up, like after you eat bread or after you eat dairy, like maybe that's something to more seriously consider. But like Emma said, you know, just get through that moment. Remember that no one's really looking at you. It does suck. It is uncomfortable. It's not a fun experience, but it's a very human one. So you are, you're totally fine, but that's the rest of the pod. Um, it's a Sunday night for Emma and I, December 3rd, you know, feeling the holiday spirit. Um, I think that's all we got this week. Yes, that's all we got. Um, we will catch you all next week. And yeah, definitely let us know if there's any other subjects you want us to touch on. Yeah, more subjects, more pods, more memes. We will talk to you girlies next week. <laughs>